Hello, and welcome to Shame Spiral. I'm Ellie Kremendahl, and my guest today is Josh Gondelman. Josh is a writer and stand-up comedian. He has worked on Jesus and Marrow. He's worked on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And he has a stand-up special streaming now called People Pleaser. And just a tiny shame that I have from this episode is there's a moment when I'm telling Josh how amazing I think it is. And I call it people pleasers. And I have to tell you, I've never felt more like a mom. Just like, oh, I love your special people pleasers. Then it's called people pleaser. It's called people pleaser, folks. Go watch it. You will be pleased. I laughed my ass off. I had so much fun talking to Josh. He is a total mensch and so funny and thoughtful. In the very beginning of the episode, he says something about how I'll basically never get into his deepest shames, which definitely made me want to just crack him open. And I'll let you decide. I'm pretty sure Josh and I both agreed at the end that I kind of failed. But that being said, we still had so much fun chatting about all things shame. My little shame check-in for this week, Besides that, now I also, I, I have to admit, I am feeling a little shameful about the fact, especially because I'm a trained therapist, that I didn't get a little deeper into the subterranean world of Josh Gondelman. But then again, it's not therapy, it's a podcast. And I think sometimes I, I have questions that pop up that I want to ask people. And then I remember that, um, yeah, at the end, I'm just going to be like, bye, talk to you like maybe never or maybe sometime, but not in a therapeutic context. And then I dial it. I dial my impulses back a little bit. Anywho, my little shame check-in for this week, as we all know, it was Thanksgiving. I was supposed to have my family, my extended family over to my place. And then my th- as I think I talked about in my last episode, my whole family had COVID. Most of us recovered. My husband, Basil, was the last to recover to, the last to get COVID and then the last to recover. And he tested positive on a rapid test for like 17 days or something. So just a little PSA also, just because you're through the official, very paltry quarantine period does not mean you no longer have COVID folks. So that was that. And then on top of that, my kids having just gotten over COVID had a new cold and then it felt like I was going to get the cold. So anyway, long story short, we canceled Thanksgiving. And I mean, all of that was totally outside of my control, which this is so funny. Josh and I talk a lot about control in this episode, so it's very on theme. But even though it it was totally outside of my control, I did have a little flash of shame, like somehow I had done something wrong by having the sick family that was the reason Thanksgiving was canceled. Like if I was a better parent or a better person, I would have somehow prevented my children from becoming sick, which is totally ridiculous. That is such an absurd thought. And I I let it go pretty quickly, but I did have it. So that's it. That's my little shame for this week. I hope your Thanksgivings were not too replete with shame. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you. One last thing about Josh, if you happen to be in New York City, like I am, you should go check out his show December 12th at Union Hall in Brooklyn. It's going to be amazing. And you can get tickets now on his website, joshgondelman.com. 
And without further ado, let's start spiraling with Josh Gondelman. Shame burning in my brain, always in a frame, and I've only myself to blame. Shame wishing I could forget my name and crawl back up from where I came. I'm going down the spiral once again. Shame Spiral. Hi, Josh. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. Having a nice day. It's a beautiful, not to to date this recording too specifically, but it's a beautiful November day, the kind that makes you feel the oncoming apocalypse very acutely, uh, but in a way that in the moment is very pleasant. (laughs) I know. I totally agree. Whenever this happens, because it's like 70 degrees outside right now or something. And whenever this happens, I always I have that like deep existential pit in my stomach. But then I'm mm-hmm. also kind of like, I'll take it. It's nice. Yeah, <laughs> I would like I like it when my body feels good. So as much as yeah. mentally, it is terrifying. I'm like, well, it is nice to feel the sunshine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is a podcast about shame. So I'm wondering how you're feeling right now, knowing that we're going to be talking about shame. I'm going to ask you questions about shame. I'm like not super stressed out about it. I There are certain things that I think are shameful and embarrassing that like, I'm happy to talk about that I'm like, you know, this is in the past or this I've worked through it or this is um, not a, a big picture failing. And then the other stuff that I've buried down so deep that it's never coming out. It's like no amount of therapy or self-acceptance is going to uh, dig that out of me. So I I don't feel too, too worried about it. <laughs> How do you know that stuff's even there? Um, if, if nothing's going to dig it out. I sometimes like, I mean, I, it, there's a, there's like a core of stuff that I'm just like, oh, this is too, Horrible. These are two such horrible things about me that uh, if I tell them to anyone, it, it's just I just can't let that out of the vault, you know. So I know it's in there. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, you know, I don't think anyone's got quite tenacious enough fingernails to pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that feels like a challenge. Go but... for it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> It's yeah, also I totally my surface to, to mid-level. It's not like I'm fully just skimming off the top. There's like real stuff in there that I'm happy to talk about that is like real legitimate um, in my guts and, and, and deep in the brain. But then there's that other level that's like I barely am cognizant of it. And if it bubbles up, I shove it. You know, I, I grew up in New England. I'll shove that shit right the fuck down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lock it away. Mm-hmm. It's in the... It's in, in the, the shame ball. Uh, yeah. bomb shelter. Yeah, the yeah. Bomb, exactly, the bomb shelter. But most of, I'm like, most things, even things that I'm really embarrassed about or feel shameful of, I'm like, it's not such a deep shame that I can't discuss it. I just don't want people yeah. to like witness it, if that makes sense. Oh, like totally. The, say, the saying it isn't as bad as the like experiencing it. Of course. Well, because when you're saying it too, it's like, presumably you've metabolized it a little bit and you're also in control. You're like, I am choosing this, but having it witnessed in the moment is completely out of your powerless. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So let's start with the shame game where I'm going to present some scenarios about which 
which of the two scenarios would make you have a bigger shame spiral or a shame spiral at all? Great. And then we'll both answer them. Okay. So here's the first one. Accidentally calling your boss who you really respect and admire and are maybe a little intimidated by mom just Mm -hmm. And there, there's no denying that that's what happened. That's Clear pretty embarrassing, day. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Clear as day, you said mom. Or accidentally calling a girl that you like just started dating and you're you're crushing on her so hard, you call her mom. I kind of feel like the first one is would make me feel worse. Yeah. Tell me why. I feel like it's when you're when it's someone you just started dating, which I'm married. And so, like, I think calling my my wife mom would be closer to calling a boss mom. Uh, But like someone you're just dating, it's like so clear you don't think of them as your mother. It is like it's like approximate to things that people say that are sexy things. Right. Like. (laughs) It's it's like there's just no context. It, it just doesn't like I feel like it rolls off more. You're just like, oh, whoops, that was silly of me to say. But like with a boss, there's just like the idea of like it just the shoe fits in a way that I find more mm-hmm. embarrassing where it's like you're an authority figure. You're someone whose respect I crave and who's um whose like instruction I try to follow. So like to call that person mom, it feels like it's too close to the bone. Whereas like someone you're like someone you're on like a second date with and you're like, this is really fun. Uh what do you say we go to this other bar, mom? And you're like, wait a minute, that's what a what a goofy <laughs> thing to say. You know what I mean? It's like calling someone Fred Flintstone. It's just like the, the psycho so I just don't think of it the same at all. Yeah. That is so funny. And I didn't think it's so funny, Josh, because I'm married too. And Mm -hmm. when I was writing this question for you, I was like, my first thought was like, you know, because I knew you were married to I was like, your wife, but then I was thinking about it. And I was like, Oh, well, for me, like, if I if I called my husband, dad, I feel like it would just be so funny to me and we would laugh so hard. But oh, then, interesting. I know, like that would be less bad. I was thinking about doing, calling someone I had been dating early on, like mom or dad, and that would destroy me. So I'm so curious. I think it would feel so embarrassing without the level of trust and intimacy. Like my husband knows me so well. There's nothing I'm really hiding from him. I feel like you would just be able to laugh about it, even though I agree with you. Like, it would carry all of these layers with it that are actually really there's so much my wife knows my mom that's like a different thing so it's like i know exactly who if i say like if i called my wife mom by accident i know exactly who she's picturing what my relationship to that person <laughs> is you know what i mean like there's just I so do. it's all there like it's all it's all out in the open whereas like when someone yeah. if it's like early dating it's just kind of like oh who cares like you don't you don't know all the baggage that that carries and not like baggage. I have a good relationship with my mom, but like, it's not the relationship I have with my wife or anyone (laughs) I've dated, you know? Yeah, of course. Totally. No, that's so interesting. So for you, it sounds like the, the revealing nature of doing it with your boss or like with your wife would be less preferable. That would be less preferable because I feel like, yeah, I, I don't, um, I guess it again, I said, you know, I'm from New England. It is like the um, 
not wanting to be known in a way that is out of my control. And so that yeah. I feel like on a date, even if the person, like if it, if it was, you know, in the past, somebody that I was on an early date with, even if they think they're like, oh, weird. Like if, even if they take it weirder, I feel like it's still more opaque to them. It's like, you don't mm. have any fucking idea what that means when I say mom, like for better That's or so for true. worse. Like, you don't know, you don't know that, like, every time I visit home, my mom offers me yogurt, and I'm like, mom, I haven't eaten yogurt in any context in one decade. And, like, (laughs) you don't, like, my wife knows that about me, and my boss doesn't, wouldn't know that about me, but would know there's just enough context there that I'm like, oh, you, I, and again, even if they don't know how much they don't know, I feel like the mask slipped a little bit. (laughs) totally get that mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so true i i mean i totally feel you on the like not wanting to be revealed or known in a way that you can't control yeah and yeah i think i think i think like for my husband i feel like it's too late like i'm in too it's, deep sure he knows it all but yep. with someone i was really trying to impress oh like interesting yep ugh. yeah interesting yeah that makes total sense yep i understand that very well that's so funny about the yogurt. That's such a mom thing. It's like, really specific. I mean, like, my mom, like, whenever I go to do anything, I just, like, laid the tracks for I, – I visited for my mom's birthday recently, and it, I was doing a, a radio taping in, in Boston. My parents live in the suburbs the following night, and they they weren't able to come. And which is not a big deal. And but I was like, oh, the radio is giving me NPR is setting me up with a hotel near the venue, which is much closer to the airport than your house is. So like, I will stay at the hotel. uh, And I'll get up and just take a lift to the hotel. It'll be like, incredibly easy. You won't have to drive into the city during rush hour, etc. And the way like I've never really done that before, even when I was in town for work. And mm. the way my mom reacts is like she thinks I'm going to this hotel to like cheat on her with another mom. Like that there's <laughs> another mom there that's gonna like do mom like uh, you know, that's gonna be like, Oh, we uh I have an apple for when you get off the train. It's like, thank you. But like that's not it's just convenience you know what i mean so yeah and my wife knows this about me and someone i'm just dating has no clue yeah 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 that's so she take she took that as it she felt it like a personal rejection or wounding i mean i don't think i don't even think that it's like that she would go oh i'm not like your mom she just knows what that relationship is. And I don't, that's like, that's what would feel embarrassing. Cause it's even if I like, it's a slip of the tongue, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But it's a slip that like, it, it evokes all these specific images Mm -hmm. where like, you know, if I called someone I was dating, like, like a, a woman, if I was like, Oh, uh, Eric, can you go? And it's like, you don't know who Eric is, you know, like it doesn't, you yeah. don't, you just know that there is an Eric in my life that I was right. thinking about. It's yeah. like when you're typing, you're, you're like talking to someone and you're like making a note for yourself and you say the word that you read or that you just typed. That's yeah. kind of, it's like, oh, this, you pulled something from the ether. But like when, when somebody really knows you, they just like, they, they can create a picture, whether or not it's an accurate picture, but they have all the details. Yep. Yep. 
in in those moments when you feel super revealed like that, what is it that yeah. gets stirred up for you? Like, what do you feel? I think being a writer and performer, I think there's something about me that makes makes it feel like I need to be managing the way people perceive me at all times. I think I feel very soothed by that and feel very um like at ease when I feel in control of that perception. And it's not that there's anything specifically that I don't want people to know about me. It's like not specific facts or attributes. It's just like when I feel that that's out of control, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I get that. Do you are you do yeah. you have a lot of anxiety? I would say like a modest amount. <laughs> what's that? Like what's a modest amount? <laughs> like I worry about how things will go and like but I'm not I don't know. It's interesting because a lot of like logistical stuff, I'm happy to like totally take my hands off the wheel and relinquish control or like do a very bad job planning. Mm-hmm. Like it is it's a big difference between me and my wife, not really a source of tension, but she's, you know, if I'm going somewhere by myself, like if I'm like, okay, I'm going to land and, and then I have to get to the hotel. If I'm like on the, going on the road, maybe I'll have looked it up beforehand, or maybe I'll like look it up when I get to the airport and figure it out that way. Or I'll do it like the night before, right before I go to bed so that I know what my next day will look like. And my wife will be like, wait, where are we staying when we get to this place? And I'll be like, I have truly no idea. And then I'll look it up because it it comforts her to know. Oh, yeah. But it just like, I think about the future so little <laughs> that that I'm just like, I don't know, that's tomorrow's problem. Um, and I think it prevents me from it, it like I don't do a good job of planning for things because of it. But I think like the self-soothing that I'm doing is like stopping anxiety about the future by just like, oh, but what if the bus is late or blah, blah, by just like, like abdicating my responsibility to consider it at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds really nice. I can see why that's helpful. I I had two coworkers that I work with very closely and that I admire very much who are like incredibly rigorous planners. And that's what makes them feel at ease, knowing that everything is taken care of and that they they have contingency plans. And that is like, while I admire that very much, I'm not like, oh, I can't believe they're like that. I said to them, I was like, yeah, what makes me feel at ease is not thinking about mm-hmm. it. And the more I think about it, especially when it's something that's like outside my comfort zone, the more I get nervous about how it will go. So like, it's not like I never prepare for anything. Like I really do try to do a good job of things that I have to do and make sure that like, I'm not putting myself in situations where I show up to stuff and get and get into trouble for not with not being prepared logistically or professionally or personally. But um, it just like the idea of, of like having everything, considering every detail and contingency to me is like, it feels unpleasant. Whereas like I definitively would rather just deal with it as it comes up mm-hmm. most of the time. And that is like, and and it's not like I get into those situations and then I'm like, oh shit, I have all these problems that I hadn't considered. I'm just like, 
okay, now is time to deal with them. It hasn't been time to be thinking about them for the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. It's a time to deal with them as they arise. Mm-hmm. It's very sort of like Buddhist-y living in the now kind of thing. It sounds really, I'm I'm jealous. I wish I could do that. I'm more like your wife. Like I need, I, I find peace in the control of contingency plans. Oh, that's so interesting. And I, I, I because I like really, I, it's like something I know about myself as an adult that, that I didn't, I don't think I could have pinpointed even a few years ago. Mm. It's just that like, it's not just that I'm like a little bit of a slob, which is true. <laughs> I am a little bit of a slob, but like the, the reason that I'm a little bit of a slob, I think is because I'm just like, I would rather kind of deal with things in one fell swoop mm-hmm. um, than than do uh, little maintenance work along the along the way. And sometimes sometimes that does bite me. Sometimes I'm like, oh shoot, like I let this this tidiness situation. Like I might my, my the office is a mess or whatever because I hadn't considered like figuring stuff out little by little. But it is, you know, oftentimes the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, I would rather just like. I'll put all my clothes, you know, I'll, I'll have a couple sweatshirts draped over a, um, over a chair and I'll put them away when I'm like, oh, that chair's covered in sweatshirts because rather than, you know, I come home at night late from stand up and I take off a sweatshirt and I put it on the chair so as to not wake anyone up fumbling around in the closet. And then the next morning, I just don't think of it. And then like two days later, I'm like, oh, that's three sweatshirts. I should put them away. Oh yeah, definitely. No, I'm like that too. I, <clears throat> I, that kind of stuff I have no need for. Mm. plans or control around i always have a chair that is like covered in 20 sweatshirts and mm-hmm. um no it's more like like bigger things i feel the need to control yeah. um okay let's move on to the next question please which would make you spiral more going vi- going yeah. viral in a bad way because you said something that some people consider offensive and it really blows yeah. up or mm-hmm. Going viral in a good way for an old joke, like from, say, when you were very new to stand up, that you really hate the joke and feel like it's a bad joke and is like hack and poorly written. Like you do not feel oh, good about it. First thing for sure. First thing for sure. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> it's probably no a too easy it. one, but. This is pretty, this one is pretty easy, but it is, I do hate, I hate getting credit for something that is untrue. So that that is a source of anxiety. Like if someone um introducing me in a personal or professional context introduces me with like something that is like uh you know flattering but is like not entirely true, I always feel the need to like undercut that and be like actually it's not this. Uh, <laughs> and and I because I don't want anyone thinking well of me in a way that I feel like I don't deserve mm-hmm. or haven't earned. Mm-hmm. So I do think that I do have some stress around that, but I think this one is like a pretty big slam dunk. Like there's so many jokes that especially that, that are like hack, but not offensive that like from my early stand up, that I'm just like, you know, I, I have a pretty well adjusted point of view towards that kind of stuff where like, there's so much stuff that I've done in the past that even people enjoy or like are have an attachment to from that era that I'm just like, Oh yeah. I'm like, be I'm I've moved past that, mm-hmm. but I appreciate your appreciation of it. You know, um, I wrote a play when I was in 
high school mm-hmm. that we got to put on. It like won a playwriting award oh. for high school kids. Oh, you know, that's not so a big cool. deal. Like, but it was a big deal at the time. And my friends that I went to high school with, I have a couple of friends that are like, we should put that on again sometime. And I'm just like, oh, I that's like probably the last theatrical production that some of my friends were involved in, you mm. know? And, and and so like there's this sense of I have a real sense of nostalgia for it, but I've I've one friend from high school that occasionally be like we should we should put that on again, and to me I'm like oh I've grown so much as an artist and that and like other friends that are that just don't work in in the same field that that is like one of the last performing things that they've done and I'm like oh there's I perform so much that it wouldn't occur to me to revisit this thing from like 19 20 years ago Mm -hmm. um so it is something I think about a lot but it's just like having like really stepping in it and having that go out of control is like a source of a great anxiety for me for sure yeah is it something you worry about or has that ever happened to you yeah yeah um I've it's never been like viral, but you know, I've had stuff that I've said that I've, that people have been like, Oh, this is like for, for reasons X, Y, and Z, this is wrong. Like even I had one thing that was like a typo that, that was like, I just punctuated a sentence wrong. And I was like, Oh, this, this message is all wrong. And I'm so humiliated that I put that out in the world. Like it, it, well, it made the message totally opposite. Oh. And it, I was trying to say something kind of heartfelt and, like appreciative of I think it was like Black Lives Matter activism that I was like and and I just like punctuated it wrong and I fucked it up and I was like this is so embarrassing I hope that people don't that mo- that m- not many people saw this and I can fix it and put it up right and and so like I really do worry about being misunderstood but also saying something legitimately like Oh shoot! I hadn't considered why this is a bad thing to say. Yeah, and I would like to make amends or or fix it or or clarify or just like apologize. But like the the toothpaste has all been squeezed out of the tube, and now it's like, oh well, this is what people think I'm like, mm-hmm. and and that is yeah, that's really stressful, especially because I think the internet kind of demands infinite context of people especially on any platform where things are shared outside of a narrow network right like a a twitter or a tumblr type thing where you're sharing stuff that other people do and you can be like uh once it gets outside the realm of people who like know what you're like and understand the tone in which you work you have to be so explicit online because especially in text because there's it's like some people will see something that you intend as like tongue-in-cheek or sarcastic and will take it very literally because they don't have the frame of reference to know you're kidding and it's like you can't blame people for that um and then some people will take things in bad faith regardless of how you know how clear Mm -hmm. you are this i had this thing this week where i said you know i feel weird it feels wrong to tell people not to vote that feels like um condescending and like it's not what a democracy is like, but I think if you're the kind of person who's like interested in voting for a, a Rick Caruso or a Lee Zeldin or a Dr. Oz, you should still vote, but just write in the Pringles guy <laughs> in that spot. I think then we have both ways. And people were literally calling me a fascist <sighs> for saying that, that I, if people are like, Oh, if, if I don't vote for the guy that you want, I shouldn't vote at all. And I'm like, yeah, that is what I think. 
I think that like if you're gonna vote for someone that's bad, that's bad. Like it's okay to think think some things are good and some things are bad. But it got into this conservative circle oh, yeah. on Twitter somehow that people were just like, "Oh, you fascist!" And I'm like, "What do you think a word means, you fucking dummy?" But like it is, it's just like I hate that that's like a little different than being misunderstood or like saying something legitimately that I'm embarrassed about after. Yeah. But it just, it is based on that kind of like, you really need to, I, and I gave context for that, right? I was like, I think everyone should vote. I just think this is bad, a bad way to vote. And people were like, you think people shouldn't vote you monster. And it's like, I, I just like, um, it's a very stressful thing. I think to put things online where, you know that there'll be sometimes by people acting completely genuinely will not have the context for what you're saying. And sometimes people will take it out of context maliciously. Oh my God. That, that exact kind of thing you're talking about with the fascist comments. That's what I, that drives me so nuts. I, I had a video get like a a little attention a week or so ago. And it Mm -hmm. was about like, um, it was about how, so my husband is trans and how we had got pregnant. I have two kids and how we had kids. And it, it was like a joke, but it was also real about what, hap- what happened. Sure. And anyway, you know, conservative Twitter like found it. And oh, I got sure. some um, comments that were, yeah, that were just so like, um, well, like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Like, however you want to make a family is fine. Like, as long as you don't have a problem with the fact that I don't agree with it. Like this, this kind of thing of like, where it's, it's, it's being communicated as support, but it's actually not, it's actually like, I am in a stand in deep contempt for what you're doing here. Yes. It's so, and but but it's, it's like, like but so you condemn me, gross. and that's why I'm bringing it up. You know, I would truly rather. I mean, that is such a personal situation, and I'm sorry that you dealt with like that kind of like bigotry, even when people were trying to kind of soft pedal it. But it is. It's like people. I just don't. If you like disagree with me, then you disagree. If you're like, hey, I think voting for Doctor Oz is good, but it's like. It's not. And some yeah. things are good and some things are bad. And it's not like right. I think like agree to disagree right. <laughs> is is like a I, I think that's like a luxury and a privilege to Definitely. have in certain situations. And it's like truly a lot of the time it's like, hey, I know that you're like agree to disagree or you think I'm a fascist for saying Dr. Oz wouldn't make a good senator. But like I firmly believe I'm right and you're wrong. And so it's not like a, it's not like a, I don't feel bad for, for having convictions. Totally. And I don't feel bad for like when people say things that are like harmful or bigoted being like, Hey, that's fucked up. It's like not, it's not like an agree to disagree. It's not like, well, we, well, I'm wrong. I'm just as wrong as you are, I guess, because I, I said something just as strongly. It's like, no, sometimes you're right. And when you're right, not that it excuses being a jerk in every situation, Mm -hmm. but it's like, there is good and bad. And like, there is a scale of it and a spectrum. And there are times you can agree on things and times you can disagree. But like, sometimes it's just like, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't care that your feelings are hurt because you are doing something bad that hurts people. I know. I know. That the way that it's become cloaked in this kind of like, you just can't let people have their opinions is so right. 
infuri- infuriating. Yeah, me. and it, it's so dumb, right? Yes. Where it's like, oh, I, you know, um, I just don't believe in this, and like nobody on my side is being uncivil about it. And it's like, you mean the political <sighs> side aligned with like bombing clinics <laughs> yeah. and like committing hate crimes? It's like, yeah, maybe you're not committing hate crimes, but like you're saying the things that the people who do the hate crimes say. Oh my god. Okay, I know we need to move on, but I do have to ask you one more. Sorry, I didn't mean no. to get so deeply sincere. Oh, no, I love it. I just, I, I could talk with you about this forever. I'm just mindful of time. But I do have to ask you, has Nazi Twitter ever found you and come for you? Have you had that experience? It, a little bit a long time ago, it's it's happened much worse to my wife. Mm. And it's like really, really um, ugly and like, really awful oh yeah it's just like and it's like yeah those people are bad and i don't have any like uh there's not a oh well they're freedom of speech it's like okay legally maybe what many of the things they said are like allowed but certainly it's like a violation of every platform that they're using and and that's just not getting punished right or like acknowledged and it's morally bad, mm-hmm. re- regardless of like whether they're legally free to say it. Totally, yeah. I was just wondering because that that that's happened to me a couple times, and it, it I mean, yeah. that they I was I'm very oh, sorry. it's okay. I'm so used I'm so used to it at this point. Yeah, like when you were like, oh, I'm sorry that happened about the the other thing I told you. It's like I'm so desensitized. I'm just like, sure, whatever these fucking idiots, you know. But um, right, and I think there's a level at which it's healthy to be able to disengage. But like, and I I'm glad that you don't like feel all of these like anonymous like statue and anime avatars and American flag avatars and take that all like directly to heart because they don't deserve that kind of consideration. But it is also like, I am sorry that it is something that like comes up in your life. It's like oh my God. inconvenient and it's malicious. It doesn't have to happen. I know. It's not like a, you know, it's not like getting caught in the rain. It's like people are making a choice to be awful. I know. And then, you know, what's so funny when, when people speak to that, like if you speak to, I think one time I, publicly commented about some Nazi Twitter stuff that was happening mm-hmm. because it touched a real sensitive spot where where they were saying like you shouldn't yeah. even have children like you shouldn't be a mother you know and um wow. that it it like really hit something hard for me yeah. and then it's so funny when then people's response is like you're choosing to have a public platform like you're it's this it's it's basically an elevated way of saying like you're asking for it like if you're present if right. you're alive Absolutely. you have brought this upon yourself yeah it's it's like such a weird um it's such a weird thing that people it really feels like oh that, yeah you you are you're you blue check marks need to be taken <laughs> down a peg and it's like if i had a dollar for or for every dollar that being a blue check mark brought into my life, I would have zero dollars <laughs> times two. Yeah. It's like not, you know what I, I mean? Know. Just the idea of like what people see as status symbols and what people see as like, this is something I talk about all the time is like the idea of punching up and punching down, right? Is like, has become common parlance. Mm. And I think in a lot of ways, it's like helpful for understanding like cruelty. But I do think there is this idea also online that if you have anything that is socially desirable, it's okay for people to say any awful thing to you and it's punching up. And it's like, 
that just like isn't true. Yeah. Like it is okay, especially like to your face. It's like that's a different. It's it's very different making some joke about like to me at least making some joke about like Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez's wedding being catered by Dunkin' Donuts, right? <laughs> Versus that's like a pretty innocuous or making fun of like Mark Wahlberg's acting, a person who like never will have to see these comments, then being like, uh, "Hey, you Jew, uh, of course you would think that," and it's like, "Hey, that's not the same." No, it's not the same. But <laughs> and it's not like. You're so right. Yeah. You're so right that people see yeah. it as the same. They've told themselves it's the same because you have. They've told themselves it's the same. A right. They've told mark. themselves that it, they're do, they're doing the same thing that like Jimmy Kimmel does by making a joke in his monologue about like Mitch McConnell or whatever. And then to like go to tell someone to their face to just like say awful things to them. And it's like, oh, yeah, but you have like more followers than I do. So it's punching up. And it's like, no, there is no you're just using you just feel bad about yourself and want me to feel bad. hundred percent. And it's like. Mm. And it works, sure. I know. Um, oh my god, it's. I think about that all the time. But, Whenever I get mean DMs or something, I'm like, "You are suffering. Like this is like yes. you suffering." Yeah. And like on a good day, I'm kind of like, "That's where I try to leave it." I'm just like, "You're suffering. Delete yeah. block." Yeah. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's um. I mean, if somebody says something like messed up, I do try to be like, "Hey." That's a fucked up thing to say. Mm-hmm. And then I'll mute or block them or whatever. But it's like the idea of, um, you know, sometimes people are just rude and rude is like whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between like people saying a horrible thing and receiving a backlash for it and people saying a like innocuous thing and receiving cruelty for yeah. it. And I think like the people, I don't. I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that or or you know they'll they'll stand on they'll get on this like soapbox of like well it's the same and it's like again no some things are good and some things are bad and if we disagree about that that is one thing right where you go um well I think what you're doing is very bad and so that's why I said that and it's like okay I understand where you're coming from I I think that I you're wrong but like you know what i mean but if you're just if you're just like oh we disagree you said something that like insulted one of my politics guys like i love dr oz so i'm gonna be abusive to you it's like you can't even vote for dr oz you live in a different place just like shut up (laughs) just like there you you don't have a you're not doing like some moral good you're just trying to make yourself feel better because uh because your life is bad probably Probably. yeah (laughs) Oh man. Okay. Or you feel like your life is bad, which is like something. It's yeah. I mean, if you feel like your life is bad, your life is bad because that then becomes your experience. Uh, like that's your narrative, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between like feeling like your life is bad and like, you know, I think there's that like uh gosh, I'm gonna butcher it, but the 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 axiom of like when you're accustomed to Things going in your favor, like mm-hmm. equality, feels like oh betrayed, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And I think there are people who are just, like like Elon Musk is a person who I think is probably in a lot of ways very smart, right? Like he has it's from what I understand, he like has a pretty good brain for science. Sure, in a lot of ways, he's not smart. He's just rich and 
enabled by people. So, mm-hmm. like, if he's what, and when people are like making or like criticizing him for the way he runs Twitter mm-hmm. or whatever, just because we're talking so much about like going viral and whatnot, <laughs> it's like talking about, um, uh, sorry, people are criticizing him. That's not like that's legitimate. And if, if he feels besieged by that, it's like completely self-inflicted by uh, garnering billions of dollars in loans Mm -hmm. uh, using it to buy a thing that he didn't even intend to buy but like legally committed to and then uh and then is running this company in a stupid way and like i don't know if if he thinks he's doing it right or if his actual like his actual incentive for doing this is just that he likes when people pay attention and yell at him and he feels like a, a famous person. I think so. Yeah. I feel like there, I, I like, definitely feel like there's some major narcissism there. And I think about that a lot yeah. with, with narcissistic kind of personality structure mm-hmm. that like whatever insecurity he might feel is so, is buried so deep. Like it's in the bomb shelter yeah. that it's probably yep. untouchable. And, and so his narrative yeah. of what's happening for him and what he's doing is so mismatched with the reality of what's propelling yeah. his actions. Yeah. And it's also like, I really am considering, like, this is something I've been thinking about all week, is that, like, does he care at, like, a core level about losing $44 billion? Mm. Like, how how much is that going to hurt him versus how much this rush of being like constantly driving discourse makes him feel good. Mm. Does that make oh, sense? Totally. Like, like he just feels, he just feels like the center of everything and everybody has to think about him and talk about him and listen to him. And like, is that truly like a greater motivator for him than losing billions of dollars? Or is he actually trying to keep this thing afloat and he's just a uh uh ego monster with a bad with bad ideas who doesn't listen to anyone <laughs> or is it both it could be both my gut i'm really feeling that the former like same that it's worth same. a lot more to him to be the center of the discourse it, psychologically yeah. that he's getting some deep need met that billions of dollars completely agree cannot match that's the way i'm that's truly the way I'm leaning is that like, you know, it's like watching like um, it's like watching uh, like a fetish porn and being <laughs> like, uh, why does this guy keep inviting this woman to step on his balls? And it's like, that's what the incentive is. Right. It's He's not he wants that. And this thing that seems maybe unpleasant to the rest of us, that's the cost of uh that's like what he's that's the juice for yeah. him and i think like the 44 billion dollars is the cost of admission for this experience <laughs> of being like the most famous person online yep. for two straight weeks i totally agree 100 percent. we've figured him out I, I think i it's i've been thinking about this so much and i hate that i've been thinking about it you're giving him what I he really, wants it, that's like where i've gone <laughs> this is exactly what he wants yes, exactly but it's unavoidable i feel like it's it's nearly impossible to avoid emma burquist the writer posted the meme from um uh office space it was like the the screenshot from office space about the guy named michael bolton and he's like why should i change my name he's the one who sucks and that's she was like why should i quit twitter he's the one who sucks uh-huh. and it's like yeah that is how i feel it's yeah. like why would I let him ruin something where I do like 
you know, that's where we know each other from. Mm-hmm. And that's how we we book this podcast. And we're ha- I'm having a great chat with you. And like, I met my wife mostly, uh, you know, initially through oh. Twitter. And so like, there's a lot of good that's come from it. And why would I let this guy owning it? It's, it's not like I loved the last guys that owned it. I'm not like, yeah. I'm like actually Jack Dorsey, <laughs> that's my guy. I just like a guy that like, takes ayahuasca and and like unlocks a new way to do venture capitalism like <laughs> oh i just, that's my least favorite guy guys who do psychedelics and use it to uh use it as like fuel for hyper capitalist dystopia oh my like, god yeah man you really took the wrong lessons for that <laughs> Oh my it's like, god! Oh, we're all connected, which means everyone is an infinite revenue source oh for me. My god. <laughs> like, I know what happened on that journey, man. That was not right. what was supposed to right. happen. <laughs> it's like really, it is like because honestly, people like real mush- mushroom people, like psychedelics people, that are like, I do it and I feel at ease and I feel a sense of love and community. That's great. I think like if that if it gives you that I think that is such a wonderful feeling and I also think it's like sometimes people overrate that that's the only conduit to that feeling yeah. and that's something I'll make fun of but like absolutely what a nightmare when someone's like I um I had this psychedelic experience and I saw how insignificant I am <laughs> and I in the grand scheme of things and how many people are and how we're all part of this cosmic fabric and i was like wow that's so many possible users that advertisers would want to get in front of Mm. so i'm going to uh going to kick my advertising on my digital platform into hyperdrive it's like oh that's gross it's super gross and it's totally negates the message i mean it's so there's so much cognitive dissonance there yeah it makes no sense which is it it one it makes no sense right it's like and i'm not a big psychedelics person myself but it's like i do feel like it it is a perversion of that message totally or my friends who are like the wonderful mushrooms people that are like yeah it just like taps me into the human experience are there they could go the other way except they have like sweet benevolent minds yeah, exactly. you know what i mean like them it's like that that's what um that's what it unlocked in them because that's what they believed the whole time. Well, that's really and it just interesting. Gave them a yeah, that it just perspective in that. I could see that, like, if psychedelics just kind of like whatever comes out of you is going to just crystallize your essential you-ness. So if you're yeah, like a hardcore I mean, venture capitalist, you're going to have a vision that fits within that world. Yeah, I mean, even when like it's the same as like a lot of drugs, right? Where like when I get when I'm drunk. I'm not a different guy, but I will like text my friends that I believe in them and that they mean a lot to me. Whereas like other people who are like um, more aggressive, that makes them fight. Mm. But it's not like it gave them the idea to fight. It just took away the idea. Hey, don't fight that. Totally. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let me ask you the last shame question. Okay. Okay. So getting really vulnerable and emotional with someone you don't know that well. Or having someone kind of be really vulnerable and emotional with you, and you know they're kind of expecting or wanting you to have some kind of big feeling in response, but you're mm-hmm. feeling kind of like an emotionless robot. Okay. Oh, I I would feel worse about the second mm. thing, about not being able to connect. Mm. I think that would make me feel embarrassed. 
Um, what would you feel? Yeah. Like, I, what would the embarrassment be? I, I would feel like I'm not stepping up uh, to meet their needs or that I would start to doubt that I'm capable of empathy, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is true of me. But I think those those that's more embarrassing to me than, like, oversharing. Yeah. I, like, don't mind that. Mm-hmm. Oversharing. I, I, I actually don't mind it at all in, like, a boundary sense or barely mind it in a boundary sense. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody is really sharing more than you feel prepared for or, like, that you were expecting because they really, like, need that kind of ear and support, I don't, like – stress out about it too much but um yeah i do i do feel i would feel more ashamed feeling nothing mm-hmm. I, and i try to find like a pretty good you know occasionally someone you have a friend that's like freaks out about something and and you have to like text another friend and be like this like wasn't a big deal right <laughs> like i i need to gut check on this because i feel no I, I'm sorry that this friend feels bad, but I don't feel a sense of, like, tenderness towards them. And I almost always do. Mm. So that's, like, I really need to check on that because I'm, like, did I, did I like, snap in half and break? Or is this not the thing that this friend thinks it is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, you, you, everybody kind of has that friend, right, that's, like, um... I went on this 45-minute coffee date with someone new, and I am just, like, head over heels. I think they're the one. And then they're like, oh, they don't want to see me a second time? I'm destroyed. And you're like, you can't possibly have that level of investment in every brief conversation you have with someone. Like, just for one example. Like, I love an open-heartedness, but that's the kind of thing, too, where I'll hear it and I'll be like, am I not being – open-hearted enough like am i too cynical and i'll feel i'll really think about it but like if i overshare with someone i'm always just kind of like all right well that i happened. know totally me too i it's so yeah. wild isn't it? i feel the same i would the same thing would make me spiral more as well and what you said i really related to about how if you if you have that robotic response that sometimes it'll make you go like, okay, it's not just that I'm not feeling something right now. Am I actually capable of empathy as a person? Like, that used to yeah. be a thing that would come up for me a lot. Like, oh, I'm a sociopath. Like, whatever whatever reaction sure. I'm having right now is indicative of the fact that I'm a sociopath. And yep. it's so wild. Like, lo- rationally looking at that, it's like, what? Why would a yeah. very normal human response indicate mm-hmm. that you're a mm-hmm. sociopath? But I totally relate to that. Yep. Yeah, I think that like, be- I, and I think part of it is because I'm a, excuse me, a person who like, I have like a pretty deep reservoir of like, oh, I'm really sorry that that's happened. Like, I'm sorry that this impacted you in this way, even if, even if it's not something that I would feel the same way about. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that that's, uh, I have a pretty good I think I have a pretty good barometer. So if there's something where I'm like, there's this real disconnect between this person being like, this thing didn't go my, you know, this professional thing didn't go my way, but otherwise they're really professionally thriving and they're like having a total tailspin. And I'm, you know, I, I feel like I've done this to friends Mm -hmm. too, where like everything's going well. It'll be like, you'll be talking to a friend who has a lot of 
success that maybe you, I, I would even envy, mm-hmm. right? Or that I'm like, oh gosh, I would love that in my life. And then they go, oh, but I wanted this other thing and it didn't come through. And I go, I, there's like, I do occasionally have to check myself for being like, yeah, but like, fuck <laughs> off, man. Don't tell, <laughs> don't come to me with that problem, yeah. you know? And yeah. I know I've been on the other side of that too, like totally. complaining about a thing where I'm like, mm, I'm talking to the wrong person about this. This is the wrong way to go. Yeah, 100%. I, and I think if I overshare, usually, at least if I'm oversharing, I my thought is at least I've been entertaining. <laughs> yeah, you've given that person a moment in their day. Yeah. Okay. So I asked you to to bring a story of an experience you had in your life that made you hardcore shame spiral. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear it. Okay. So this is I. There's like so little that's more embarrassing than like having a human body, as far as I'm concerned. Just like that very idea of it is like I hate it. Um, and whoever's human body is just like nah. <laughs> I. And especially when it's not functioning in the way that you're used to, mm. I feel so embarrassed about that. Um, and so I had Thanksgiving at my in-laws family, like cousins, and I took the, I had borrowed a car and I took the car home and I wasn't feeling good at all um, by the time I got home. I was just feeling really lousy and I was just like, oh, it was probably just like a long day and I'm tired. And like I had I did that thing where like you have a couple drinks and then you sober up and you're but you're still like, ugh, like I don't I I the night should be over by now. Mm-hmm. This is I'm done being awake. And so I drove back from New Jersey and um was feeling pretty bad. And I went to bed and I got up the next morning and I felt awful. I my stomach was really sick. I threw up a lot, which is not, I've thrown up probably twice in my adult life. Wow, that's a hit. In the last, yeah, I'm not a real, I'm not a big puker. I can remember the only two times in the last, definitely since I've met my wife, I threw up. The, and this is one of the other embarrassing times too. I drank too much at a concert and I got home and I threw up on top of the toilet because <laughs> I got to the toilet and was like, I've made it. And I then threw up on top of it and then kind of like was still so drunk that I didn't <gasps> realize what I'd done. And then I uh, got up the next morning and had to leave at 6am to get on a flight and had and was just like, whoops. Um, and that was just like, I had complete dereliction of physical duty and my wife had to take care of it. It was like oh my truly God. mortifying, mortifying. But then this, so this was the only other time. And you know, I've, I've taken care of her when she's been unwell. And so I feel like where um we, we see that in each other sometimes and like, but that was an especially embarrassing way. But so the morning before it's the day after Thanksgiving and I have to catch a train to go to Boston and I puke, so much and i i'm like it's un nobody else at this dinner was sick at okay. all it was just me so i have no idea what it was i threw up um i went to i'm trying to think of the thought process here but i was like okay i feel good enough to go out i'm gonna get to the train and i'll just like close my eyes and take this train and I chose that night in Boston. I was going to see my family. I ended up just like 
sleeping in my childhood bedroom all afternoon. I felt so bad. But before I left, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. And I got dressed and I went to leave and I was like, uh oh. And I ran back to the bathroom and I threw up so hard that I in the bathtub for some reason. Cause like the, I like the lid of the toilet was down and I threw up in the bathtub so hard that I simultaneously <gasps> shit my pants. Oh and, no. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, I have 40 minutes to get to this train. That's 30 minutes away. So I did like the absolute quickest cleanup job of both tra- uh, catastrophes. And, and then just had to like leave. And, and, it was this was worse than the other time because the the other time was worse in that I inflicted it on myself. This one I didn't, so it's a little less like I feel like a less moral judgment about myself. But my wife, my my mother and father in law drove her back and like came up to the apartment with her to like visit and see our dog when she came back. So like I that was just like. A bathtub that had been partially but not fully cleaned from puke. So you were gone, but the remnants gone. of your explosions were, still were there. there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just felt so like, again, human bodies, humiliating. I just felt like a. it's... Again, less of a moral failing than like I got drunk at a concert and puked on top of the toilet. And that is like... Yep, that's on me. My bad. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt about it. That I caused it. I should have fixed it. But this one was like, it still was just like, how can I, like, who throws up in a bathtub and like who shits their <laughs> pants? And it wasn't like a a thing that I had done to myself. It wasn't like a condition that I expected. You know, like I don't mean to say like no one ever shits their pants. I like there's a lot of like gastrointestinal stuff, but I was just like, how did I under pretty standard circumstances in my life, which is generally free of tub puking and pants shitting, do that and leave have to leave it for someone else to take care of. It just is like I um is really humiliating. And I like especially knowing that the in-laws were gonna come. Um, they they came and I was like, oh no, I can't believe that like they had to like even acknowledge this that like there's stuff inside me. Like I just mm-hmm. you know, uh, horrible. I just like hate. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there again that's deep in the shame vault to unpack. But like that is. On its face and coming out of my face, yeah. like pretty humiliating. It's very con- It's such a concrete representation of this fear of like being exposed and revealed. Yes, absolutely right, right. Anything that comes, people seeing anything that's come out of your body is so intimate. It totally, like any fluid, and it's like there's there's degrees of it, right? But that one, it just feels like like. Get a hold of yourself, man. You know what I mean? Yes. It's and and I feel like that's even more more embarrassing than like oversharing Mm -hmm. or telling someone or someone even knowing a secret. Yeah. There's like secrets, you know, there's things that are like personal to me that not many people know. But I think I there's not that much that like someone like two other people in my life finding out about things would be like 
that disruptive to me in the way that just like anybody knowing that my body functions like a human body at all was so mortifying to me. I know. I I mean, I totally relate and I'm like spinning right now about what the hell that is, you know, especially if it's like people that know and love you. Yeah. Like, you're reminding me that I I was talking to my best friend from college on the phone recently. She's lit- We've known each other since we were 17. She's like, we love and accept mm-hmm. all parts of each other, right? She made me laugh yeah. so hard that I farted like while I was laughing. Yeah. And I felt yeah. paralyzed with shame. And I don't yeah. think she noticed. like, I, Or if she did, she didn't say anything. And I did not bring it up, even though... She, I've known her for like over 20 years and it's like, what? And it's such a normal thing that happens. Like it's, it's not even at the level of like, I left so hard I peed. You're just like, oh yeah. Like people are walking around all day farting. Yes. And it's like, why there's would not, you? There's not like. Why? Why is yes. it so horrifying to have farted about the body? It is, it's, yeah. it is the kind of. Mortifying. I think you're right about the, I think it's the, this lack of control thing. I really have that too. And yeah. it's like. Your body decided to shit itself and to puke, and you did not have any agency in that. I didn't consent to it. <laughs> I didn't. I had no control. I like lost control of like the directionality of it. It just deeply mortifying because, like, yeah, you're right. Like, because that's the difference between uh, farting being like funny and being embarrassing, right? Is like if if you're you can fart kind of in a focused way and be like, ah, what are you going to do? And that's like, it's the same act, but it it's just like, you've decided to be okay mm-hmm. with it. And then on the other hand, like any kind of slip, like even, you know, like people get, this is not, I'm not quite at this extent, but like people get embarrassed to like have sneezed. Oh. And you're like, you know yeah. what I mean? You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I drew this attention to myself with this bodily spasm. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's, it's the same. You're right. It, you know, I, I feel like there was um a recent time in a job interview where I that thing happened where you kind of like get something you just can't stop coughing and you try yep, oh yep, I yep, took yep. a sip of water for some reason it made me start coughing I couldn't stop yep and I was yep. deeply mortified and did feel like it yeah. was revealing me to be a uh a poor candidate for the position basically yeah just like. <laughs> Like this loose cannon can't even stop coughing. Exactly. Like she's so out of control. She, she's wild. Yeah. She does not have her yeah. shit together. And it's like, excuse me, your throat. You cannot control your throat. What the fuck? Yeah. It's so, it's so funny, funny because it is. It's so out of our control. It's so mundane, and it's just like this. This like shame of it is like. It's disproportionate for sure. But there is a little bit of like, um, there's a little, there's a little bit that's like, yeah, it is gross to throw up in a bathtub. But like, it wasn't just like, oh, again, my bad. I threw up in the bathtub. That's wrong of me. There was like a shame attached rather than just like, oh, shoot, I forgot to pick up the dry cleaning. That was wrong, but I'll get it tomorrow morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, like, an additional level of, like, bodily humiliation that, like, probably I don't need to attach to something like that. Yeah. Um, but it came. It just but, came but up it, for you. Oh, it was there. Yeah. It just came out, like – And the shame – Or <laughs> shit. The shame part is so interesting that it's, like, it goes from that sort of embarrassment, which is so normal yeah. – 
feel mortified in that situation, but then also where it, it makes that turn into like, well, Josh, I, Josh, am actually like bad. Like I'm bad somehow for or like, this. I'm an unfit son-in-law. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's where it went. Cause that's, I think the spiral. Okay. Yeah. There's, like the, there's like the thing. There's like the thing that happens that you're like, well, that wasn't good, right? You don't, nobody throws up in a bathtub and is like, nailed it. <laughs> That's what I, just what I was hoping would happen today. Right. Chicken in the tub. But it was, it was just like the idea of being perceived to be the kind of guy who throws up in a bathtub mm-hmm. was uh, to my, my in-laws specifically, right. who it's like, they can't know that I puke ever. Right, never. They can't know that there's anything. Like, even even my own parents finding that out about me is less embarrassing just because yeah. that relationship is less uh, new. And le- it feels less, like, n- fragile is the wrong word, but less nascent and, like, newly evolved. Totally. So it's like so much, you know, if you meet someone, if, if if you've known someone 20 years and they throw up in a bathtub one time or 40 years, they throw up in a bathtub one time, that's like one tile in the mosaic of your experience of them. But if you've known someone for like a year, if you meet someone once and that one time they throw up in a bathtub, that's the guy who throws up in bathtubs. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> that's all you are. 100% <laughs> sample size. <laughs> right. There's no control group. And this, this, no control group. This is it's, all the data. They, you, they might throw up in every bathtub they see, as far as yep. you know, just extrapolating based on the data. You and have. not only do they shit, they shit, and they don't clean it up. They're incapable of cleaning up their shit. That I cleaned up. Oh, better. you did. I did a better okay, job okay. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That wasn't just like loose floating around. Okay, in the I bathroom. have to tell that you, I like. That's not what I was picturing. Yep. I thought that there were shit remnants. Okay. Um, I mean, it was somewhere, but I think what I ended up doing, like this might get no, too deep okay. into it. I think I like plastic bag the underwear, threw it at the bottom of the trash, plastic bag the pants that I was going to wash later that were like not in as bad shape. So that one I was less worried about getting busted okay. on. I might have even taken it. I might have even thrown it down the garbage chute. Probably. I would. But mm-hmm. the the puke was like there. Like shitting your pants, embar- I was embarrassed anyway. Like just the fact of it. But the bathtub puke was like, oh, the telltale barf. <laughs> that's the that's the one that's going to give me yeah, away. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of spiraled like I'm not – are they going to think I'm not good enough for their daughter? That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Or like, yeah, they're going to – not even – even if they're not like – I can't believe him. There's like, uh, there will be an element of like, oh, this is our like fuck up son in law puking in tubs. <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. The body stuff is just killing me right now. And like needs, like bait, like feeling ashamed for like basic human things. Like you're, you're yeah. reminding me with my my parents are like very like New York Jews. So means many mm-hmm. things. One of the things it one of the sure. things it means is that. I you cannot be in a place with my mother without her offering you like so many snacks and like food is con it's sure. constant. It's just like what do you need? What yeah. do you need? What do you need? And that's mm-hmm. what I'm used to. So my mother-in-law is from Massachusetts, you know, was mm-hmm. raised um I don't know, like she's not religious, but she was raised like Catholic or something. Very sure. different relationship to food and yeah. um and very different relationship to I think like guests and like like what is the kind respectful thing so sure where, like i think it would be um 
yeah, there's just such different cultural norms around like what's too much, what's not enough, that kind of thing. Long story short, like the first time I stayed at her house, and I think it was the first time I met my future mother-in-law, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I was so hungry and I didn't know how to ask for food. And I felt really overwhelmed by that. And I was just also shocked and dismayed. Like I, I remember like, um, I think I like texted my sister and I was like, no one's offering me anything to eat. Like, what does it mean? Like, what do I do? I don't want to be rude, but I was like, where are the trays of snacks? And also just the focus on feasting. And then finally, I like pulled Basil, my future husband aside. And I was just like, I'm so hungry. Like, I don't know what to do. And it's like, I was ashamed to tell my to tell Basil, who had only been with for like seven months or something, and specifically his mother, like, I need food, I need to eat, you know, right? Isn't that crazy? Like, that's just so crazy. Totally. Do you have this like bodily need that you can't just like, master is so normal (laughs) but feels so embarrassing in the moment if it's not if you're not if you don't have like the a common language for addressing it or a comment you don't know what the common set of values is right where like it might have just been a kind of thing where if you're like hey do you is there like do you have some carrot sticks or like some crackers or something i'm like a little peckish. I know we're, we're going to have dinner in a little bit, but like long travel day took a lot out of me or whatever it is. Yeah. And if you don't know that that's like the way to ask in a given situation, it's so embarrassing to be like, nobody else is hungry right now. I know. Why is my body the one that's like, give me a cookie? I know. And I think it went even deeper and darker too. Like a little bit like I'm like a hungry Jew. Like I'm like, I like need sure. food. Like because I'm like- yep gluttonous and like food obsessed it was like why do i have all these (laughs) gross jewish needs and it's like what What the fuck i was just hungry yeah that's like the inventing stereotypes (laughs) yes yes totally that doesn't even exist but i was just like that's what it is you know yeah i love this story so so much thank you for sharing this one josh it's so good let me ask you two quick final questions of course was there anything in our conversation that made you have like a mini shame spirally panic in the moment after you said it? Oh my God, what? (laughs) I think the yogurt thing. Um, (laughs) Why? Because is your mom going to Because I, but I don't want to seem like ungrateful to my mom who I love and speak to frequently and get along with well. And we don't have a lot of like, squabbles about much you know um but i didn't yeah i again it's a lack of control over people perceiving this as me as somebody who's like oh this like like you said this jew with weird (laughs) mom and she's like i don't know pretty we have a pretty good thing going me and my parents but i did feel like making fun of her very genuine uh offers of yogurt is like um pretty you know i was like oh is that too much i was like i don't think so she knows i don't eat the yogurt ever it's ever. so not it was such an innocuous share i know and it, it but, it's so yeah. i mean i get it like it's so it's so funny because like speaking of, like the kind of trolling stuff that we were talking about at the start i yeah. can totally see mm-hmm. that fear like oh like josh gondelman like so privileged doesn't he like he's just upset that his mom provides him yogurt like yeah poor yeah, guy. yeah exactly so fucked up and it's and it's um it, you never I, not never you sometimes don't know like what details that you'll reveal that seem innocuous that 
excuse me, to someone else is like, oh, that's hurtful because I have this other feeling attached mm-hmm. to it. You know, like, e- even if my mom did hear it and was like, I thought the yogurt was nice. And it's like, it is nice. It's very nice. I just don't really eat yogurt. Well, it's also very <laughs> funny all. because it is so sweet and kind and motherly in like a mm-hmm. nice way. So, so But sweet. also- It's really nice. It also misattuned because you don't eat yogurt. And it's just so cute yeah. that like she, for, some, for whatever mom cute. reason, doesn't track that. It's- and it's not the only thing. She's never like, we have yogurt or nothing. But it's it's always, I like, in my head, I'm always waiting for it to come up as one of the things. You know, she'll be like, oh, we've got some, if you want a bowl of cereal, or we've got some fresh fruit, or there's some uh, vegetables cut up, or leftovers from what we had last night, or um, or yogurt. And I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> it's like always on the menu. Yeah. I'm always like, not yogurt. The, the way that you just listed the food options is... So familiar mm-hmm. to me in my life. I My mom is yeah. always listing 20 you, things to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you said being in the home of somebody that doesn't do that, and you're just like, like, but what do we... What do we do? Eat? I know. I know. What do we do? Where it's... And to not... To not feel, because it's like such a, speaking of intimacy, it's such like an intimate thing to just like go in and be like, I'm going to open the refrigerator and see what we got going mm-hmm. on in here. I know. <laughs> it's so presumptuous. Oh my God, I would never Before do you've that. been invited. Yeah, but I would never do that. But yeah. then I. It feels like. Yeah, I got the feeling though later that like, okay, actually culturally, maybe it would have been less rude for me to like not bother anyone, go see if something's in the fridge, make it for myself, like very like New England, yep. self-reliant kind of thing. Um, whereas like my sort of go-to comfort zone and internalized norms would be that that's a lot more rude than being like, Hey, like, you know, we have crackers, we have pasta, we have apples, apples with peanut butter, apples with hummus, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, that's. (laughs) I could take out a can of tuna, make a little tuna sandwich. Like it's 830 in the morning. (laughs) Whatever you want. Do you want an egg? You want a waffle? I could go get a Uh, waffle maker. There's some birds outside. I could wring one of their necks. <laughs> I'll learn how to butcher. Cook it on a spit. Yeah. I'll learn how to butcher. Oh my god! It's, it's no big. I've been meaning to learn how to butcher. Yeah, no inconvenience at all. No, no. This is for yeah, me, yeah, not yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So I asked you at the very beginning, like how you were fe- feeling, uh, knowing we were going to talk about shame. So how are you feeling now as yeah. we're as we're finishing up? Truly, only concerned about the yogurt thing. Everything else feels like smooth sailing. Amazing. We didn't even get close to the shame ball. <laughs> we and I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I feel like I was pretty revealing, um, but we didn't even get cl- close to the. Oh, nerve. I yeah. get it. I know. I know. I can talk about all kinds of things. No offense. No, not at all. I'm not like bragging. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> this is what's. That's how deep it goes. Is I've been like, I shit my pants. I have uh, a weird this weird yogurt thing i um i am embarrassed to have a human body i don't like feeling socially out of control i'm a control freak and then that's like top layer that's like the skin of the apple i could not <laughs> understand that more the thing especially i think when you do comedy like the things that seem vulnerable and revealing to share they're not the things that are hard to share yeah it's a whole it's all the underbelly that is like really distressing to think about letting out there you know but it's totally shitting your pants whatever it's just another day yeah (laughs) tell me so you are so funny i just 
I just Thank recently you. watched People Pleasers. I loved it so much. Oh my gosh, it was so you. good. Do you want to share with people like where they can find you, what you're up to? Yeah, totally. Um, I I have an hour stand-up special called People Pleaser uh, that is free in the U.S. for Prime subscribers, and then worldwide. I think Vimeo is the the best, the most reliable place to rent it worldwide. But you can get it in the U.S. for sure, like YouTube for rent or purchase, um, Apple TV, all those places. And then I'm on tour a bunch coming up. December, I'm doing Minneapolis, Chicago, and Milwaukee the week between Christmas and New Year's, awesome. um, which I'm really excited for. And then a couple more dates coming up. <coughs> Excuse me, but it's um. It's how dare you cough? Uh, I know. It's I know. How dare I? This is gonna. <laughs> this is I'm so gonna humiliating for you. Um, but it's yeah, a lot of a lot of live dates, and yeah, I'm like really excited about it. That's so awesome. I'm kind of uh between things otherwise, mm-hmm. so it's a lot of stuff. That's great. I yeah, and so if you're listening to this, I'll put your website like with your tour dates in the show oh, yeah, notes yeah. joshgundelman.com yes, slash schedule for, yeah. all the, for all the show dates well thank you so much josh it was so fun to talk to you thank you this was a blast have a good one <laughs> you too bye Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Shame Spiral. You can follow the pod at Pod Shame Spiral on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the usual places. This episode was edited by myself and Sarah Gabrielli. And original music was by Shadwick Wild. Please keep listening and rate and review if you're feeling generous. I have so many exciting guests lined up for our season. Thank you again for joining us and spiral on, but not too much, okay? 